Welcome to the Quantum Biology Collective podcast, where we break down the practical applications of this emerging science, starting with healthy light habits and going wherever the quantum superhighway takes us. I'm your host, Meredith Oak, with a quick announcement that registration is open for the next practitioner certification cohort. You can find the link at www.quantumbiologycollective.org. Or if you're not a practitioner, but are looking for one, you can find the directory there as well. Hello, so good to have you here, Nicole. We are here today with Nicole Hartman of Circanium Family Wellness. Um, And so Nicole, you now work with families um, and host a podcast to help people sort of understand some real really important basics to healthy living as regards to light, which so many of us don't understand. But you started this journey um, to help your own family and particularly your son. Could you sort of just tell us about your family and what drew you to find a quantum health practitioner? Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, it's been a journey. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I'll I'll start and say that, you know, my husband and I were have always been in this kind of, you know, health and wellness realm. Um, mm-hmm. we were both physical education teachers. And so we, we had a pretty good grasp on, on the human body and, you know, especially through movement. And then when we had our son, he was born with down syndrome, which we didn't know about it. It's like surprise. And, wow. uh, <laughs> and so, you know, that kind of opened up a whole other set of, of doors for us, uh, some positive, some negative, and yeah. you're, it, it's kind of like, I can remember. I remember our pediatrician at the time saying, don't, don't look up anything. Don't look up anything for Down syndrome. She goes, it's not good. And uh, we, we definitely kind of heeded that advice. And because it's really daunting, you know, just kind yeah. of like all of the negative sides to it and everything. Um, so, you know, he, he was, oh, gosh, he's such a perfect baby and uh, just developed actually really typically. And uh, it wasn't until probably about 18 months then that things started to kind of go downhill. And without saying too much, it's like you have that, that, uh, well child starter pack, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> you show up for all of those things and things happen. And, uh, he's on, you know, antibiotics all the time and steroids. And then by the time before, right around three, he started with his first autoimmune disease and okay. he started with his thyroid issue first because he mm-hmm. started losing some hair. Okay. Once- so just for those of us who don't know anything about having a Down syndrome child. So is that very common for them to <laughs> yes. um, run into not only the effects of being Down syndrome, but also to run into a whole bunch of other health effects like autoimmune diseases and things like that? It, it is. And okay. um, I would say that maybe... I don't even want to say that they have a higher chance of getting sick more often because knowing what, what I've learned now, mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be the case. And so I think that kind of is like the, the driving factor that we can make changes and not maintain the status quo of, okay. of these issues. And so you do see a certain uh, set of autoimmune diseases that are pretty prevalent in people with down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, but the goal is to kind of, maybe get to it. So it doesn't have to happen, you know, when they're younger. Yes. And And you have other children as well, right? You have, I have four girls too. We have five total. Five total. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and where in the birth order is your down syndromes child? He's our oldest. So he was our, so this was your initiation (laughs) into parenthood. Absolutely. I know. And all right. (laughs) You know, every time they have a birthday or he has a birthday, you're like, just, you, you you know, I don't know. I feel like it's it's kind of a happy day for moms and dads as well. Yeah. You know, you kind of have that remembering and, uh, you know, it, it takes you back to that day. And it's like, here's our, our baby. And, you know, he looks, he doesn't have really profound features of mm-hmm. a person, like a typical person with Down syndrome would. Um, it turns out he actually has really high muscle tone. So okay. that kind of, that kind of helps him. Um but uh, it was just the, the, we noticed that his eye had was one eye was kind of crossed. And then uh, we noticed that his, that there's a line on the, on the palm of their hands that can kind of be indicative of down syndrome. Okay. And so they ran a test and then, you know, a couple of days later you get the news and it's like, 
I just had a baby and here's this news. And you're wow. Like, so, so you found out after he was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the birth was all, all great. You have this beautiful little baby. Absolutely. And like, yeah. Oh, and, and, <laughs> and there's this. Okay. Yeah. And, in, and, you know, in hindsight, uh, those were some tough days, like mentally tough times. Yeah. And uh, it's just amazing what time does, you know, time mm-hmm. and then just choosing to just, just love your child because he's your child, you know, he's yeah. this beautiful gift. And um, he is amazing, just like the rest of our children. So that's, yes. that's that. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So you have your son, your doctor's like, don't go down the rabbit hole. It's yeah. a scary rabbit hole. So what was the um, kind of advice or the stage that was set for you by your trusted healthcare advisors? Like, what did they say? Well, the the advice was, you know, their immune systems aren't as strong. That was okay. like the first thing. And, okay. you know, it, I, I'm sure as a mom, you know, it's like you have these gut feelings of like, that just doesn't sound right. You right. know, like, he's like, made that's it. just it. Yes. His immune system's yes. not good. And that's the end of the story. And so you need all okay. of this stuff. Yeah. To help him to, to be fine. And of course, with that came like early intervention services and stuff like that, you know, getting him to be able to physically develop mm-hmm. at, at as much of a typical rate. And it turns out that he just did things when he was ready to do things. And, you know, and it's, it's like knowing what I know now and what I was able to kind of impress upon then, you know, with our subsequent children, it's like, they just do what they want anyway, when they want to. And (laughs) I I can remember one time they were uh, trying to get him to walk or to stand, you know, independently. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And so as soon as they left, then the kid stands up in the middle of the room and is like, hmm. I can do it. Like, I'm just going to do it when I want to do it, you know, and like that it. is totally yeah. his personality to this day. It's like, I, I can't force anything on that child. So. <laughs> and how old is he now? He's 14, about to be 15. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I, I can't believe it. I mean, I'm just like 20 years old. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I know. it's like, how do we have teenagers? How do we have teenagers? We're yeah, only 25. Exactly. <laughs> right now. This doesn't make sense. (laughs) Okay. So in his early years, you were sort of just, you know, following the, the standard course of treatment Yep. and how, how did that go? Um, it wasn't great. You know, we found ourselves, he was sick every, it seemed like every month we were making a visit in, you know, a round of antibiotics and stuff like that. And I think what you find too, is that gut health amongst people with Down syndrome is extremely sensitive, just like the rest of their body is extremely sensitive Mm. to any light, any chemical, anything that's creating chaos, because it, it almost seems like there's chaos in the body to begin with, which you would probably attribute to like poor mitochondrial function. I is where I would go with it. Interesting. Uh, it, it is really interesting in, in how the, the sequence of events has led, it leads you to the now. And I think that that is something to remember when you're on this health journey yes. is that we, we have to remember from where we came to, to where we are now, because you wouldn't be where you are now. And, uh, that took some, that took, that's a challenge to accept, you know, <laughs> when yes. you're dealing with, with, yeah. with sickness or something, someone that just isn't well. And so then by the time he was three, thyroid, <clears throat> Hashimoto's, which is, Hashimoto's isn't common in people with Down syndrome, but hypothyroidism is. Okay. So uh, tell us what that looks like, how that presented, what you were... For him, it was just, uh, he started losing like a little bit of hair. His hair was thinning. Mm-hmm. And so we got blood work done and sure enough, you know, thyroid numbers across the board were out of range. And so he was seemed like everything had, had evened out with, you know, with prescription medication. And then a couple months later, his hair still started falling out. And this time it presented in like the, the circles of like alopecia. Okay. And so that progressed for a while until he was completely bald. Like he lost all of his eyebrows didn't have any um, eyelashes and he never had body hair. And okay. I, my husband, and I often think, did he ever? And so, right. you know, he could have already been born with, with things that we just weren't aware of. Right. Um, and so yeah. then by the time he, before 
two months before he turned four is when the type one diabetes hit. And uh, that was devastating. That was like, because you took a child that could have potentially lived by himself, you know, with just down syndrome. And then you, you could have a child with type one live by themselves independently with type one, but now you have down syndrome and type one and you're like, Hmm. (laughs) Right. You know, Um, but as, as much as we want to bash technology, sometimes it has come a really long way and they're almost Mm -hmm. to an artificial pancreas. There's technology coming out within the next couple of years. That's it's, it's impressive stuff. And so it doesn't mean that we don't keep trying to take it to, to heal the body, but Mm -hmm. As far as a, a, I guess you could say a nuisance that type one is, it's become a lot more manageable. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And when technology can help, like, yeah, like let's let it help. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And it affords us this conversation right now. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't know, I'm more of a, I'm going to find myself in the middle instead of the fear on both ends. So yeah, uh, I don't know. That's me. But um, in as, as this went, you know, I kept searching for information to be able to take this away and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things to take him away because, and ultimately he never stopped being happy, you know, and it sure that could be, you know, what people say about people with down syndrome. Oh, they're always just so happy. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, he has an attitude a lot of times (laughs) and he gets mad and angry, especially at his sisters. Um, but, um, yeah, he just he it's like he doesn't know any different and he just right. chooses to just keep going. So, but it's, you know, me, a mom, I'm like, "Well, this is normal. We got to take it away." Yes. Yeah, no, so. we definitely we have that drive to want to to heal our children, which yeah, I think is is natural and good. And I, we I, I will so. say we can take it to extremes and be in <laughs> I get it. I had to dial back a few things over the years. Guilty. Yeah. Yes. Um, however, I think on some level, like we are, we are teaching and modeling that this is a journey and there it's always worth looking for new answers and couldn't have said it better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As well as, as appreciating the present moment, which it sounds like your family really does. That's been a work in progress too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that that when you have a child that isn't well, you kind of live in the past a little bit and you are in, you know, anytime like you would get sick or something, you kind of carry some of that with you. And so it's like, how do I stop doing that? Because ultimately you, you land in a place of it is what it is. And that has been something that, you know, I would say that is a work in progress for our family, but it, it serves nobody to, you know, constantly live in, in, in fear or the what ifs. So, yeah. I, you know, Nicole, I think that's a really good point that because that can be the shadow side of being a continuous solution seeker <laughs> is that we feel like when things, when someone is sick, when someone is having a hard time, us or our children, we can feel like, oh, well, I did something wrong. Right. Yeah, and sometimes, sure. yeah, to your point, it just is what it is. And yeah. just because someone's sick or unwell or having a hard time doesn't mean we messed up. It just is. It just did, it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But you are right. Like I would imagine you're the same way, the solution seeker. And yes. sometimes the solution is not there. <laughs> Yes. You know, like, <laughs> oh, it's frustrating, but yes. You know. However, sometimes it can lead to things. So on your journey, okay. Keep so going. You, yeah. Yes. Keep going towards how you ended up in the, where you are. Yeah. I mean, we just, just kept looking and honestly, it was like one time, one day, so I guess somebody that I followed on Instagram had shared something from Carrie Bennett. And I was like, oh my gosh that's like, that is the most sensical thing I have heard in years. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up traveling along the Chesapeake Bay and really just loved being outside and we love hiking and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this totally is, this is it. We all feel better when we're outside. And so, you know, I followed along with her for a little bit. And then finally, uh, probably about a year ago or so I just reached out because sometimes people won't work with the kid with down syndrome and they, I think they just see it as complex. It's complex, especially when you're 
carrying some baggage of, you know, three autoimmune diseases with you. Um, so she's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And, and, and by that time that I had started working with her, we had already started to put a lot of those, those, I just wish people understood these simple, simple changes in place. So, so, so what were some of the simple changes that you started with? So you, you have a child, he's unwell, multiple autoimmune, you come across information that's like, actually, maybe if you spend more time outside, that could be healing to this situation. Okay. So then what'd you do? So we started, I just started just myself, always under the impression you can't force kids to do anything. And if they find it worthy, they will join in. And so I just started going out at sunrise. And then next thing you know, they're out there with me. And, you know, we're doing like our little jumps and stuff like that. And then came, you know, me buying some of those red lights. I had seen somebody recommend, you know, red reptile lights. And I was like, well, we'll see how it goes. It was an adjustment to begin with, but I didn't quite understand all of the 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 finite details of all the benefits of blocking blue light until obviously just, you know, pretty recently. And then so we started blocking blue light, got like the 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 red glasses and then yellow glasses for any screen time. Although I will say I'm probably an extreme. We don't have any real technology. Like we have a laptop and a TV and that's it. Like we don't have like iPads or tablets or anything like that. I I probably sound like a a crazy person in 2023 for saying that, but, um, but that's, that's honestly where we started with it. And um, it, it just has seemed to kind of keep rolling and gain some speed from there. So. And did you notice with the children uh, as they spent more time outside and you changed the lighting environment in the evening, did you notice changes with the children? 100%. And it's it happens pretty quick. They are tired at the appropriate time and they go to bed at the at, at, and they are ready for bed at the appropriate time. They're not like running around like crazy kids. Mm-hmm. They go to sleep, they sleep well, and then they wake at an appropriate time. And And that's a question too that, that has to be asked is should preteens, teenagers really be sleeping until midday? You, you know, that, mm-hmm. that if my circadian rhythm is what it should be, I should be awake at these hours and asleep at these hours. Um, and I think that holds true for kids. I will, I will stand by that for yeah. sure. <laughs> do I you see that with your kids? Um, I do, but they, they don't, they're not on board. So they sleep, gotcha. <laughs> they gotcha. sleep right through. <laughs> However, during this school year, um, we're on top of it, but yeah, they've reached an age where, um, you know, they know, my, they know a lot, a little out of my hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I totally um, get that. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but I agree. I mean, I think ideally all humans would, would be, in a, in a better health state. If we, if we lived by light and dark, the natural light and dark cycles across ages. Absolutely. And it's just, you know, the technology and socializing that gets in the way of that. I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, anything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you you just accept it for what it is and, and where they are. And again, it is what it is, you know, uh, they have their own little minds too. Yeah. And yeah, they all wear the blue blockers. We have a big yeah. basket of them. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, their friends come over and they're like, what is that? And like, just put them on. My mom will make us. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> so they're all there. But it's, it's planting those yeah. seeds. You know, one day they'll take mm-hmm. it and it'll make sense to them one day. And, and and it's like I tell people all the time, do you do you not want to sleep better? Like, like what, what is wrong with sleeping better? You know, like, like that's like the most important thing that we do as you know, we spend most of our life, you know, when you're a little kid and you have to make them nap, you know, they spend most of their life fighting a nap, but it's like, man, as an adult, I could really sleep right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it's true. It's like, we say we want all these things and it's like, okay, well, here's how to get them. It's like, oh, that seems really hard. (laughs) All right. (laughs) 
But I mean, and, but I will say it is, it's only hard at first to your point, right? Like there's adjustment yeah. periods. And then once you get used to it, it's just kind of, you don't really have to think about it, right? Like it's not like a continuous struggle. No, I think it just becomes your lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Like if someone turns on a light at night in our house, you know, everyone is, oh my gosh, that's so right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing what we, what we were used to, right? Yeah. Like when my, my, um, Iris software ticks off for a minute and my computer's rebooting and it goes back to factory settings. I'm like, what, what is this? Like even in the middle of the day, I'm like, I can't believe I was blasting my face with that yeah. for so many years. Like yeah. this is crazy. And, and well into crazy. the night. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's interesting. Cause I just did, um, interviewed a circadian research, one of the original circadian researchers. And, um, so they're like all of the science behind the importance of circadian rhythms and how dysregulated circadian rhythms lead to poor health outcomes like cancer. Like that was all there in like 20, in like 2001, they had all this research, right? But it was all done on shift workers. And I think people were like, mm. well, if you're not a shift worker, we don't need to tell you about this. And it's like, okay, but if you're in front of a laptop on factory settings at 10 o'clock at night or 12 o'clock at night or scrolling through your phone at one in the morning, you're a shift worker. <laughs> wow. I, that, that's a really good point. I never thought of it that that is like shift work. Yeah. That's Cause that's, what they were measuring was yeah. the light environment, right? So if you're putting yourself in an, in a brightly lit environment when it's dark outside, then all of then that research applies to you too. Yeah, for sure. Like think about like, I always often think about what it was like when, before I started this, it's like lights on first thing in the morning, I'm going to go get a shower and I'm going to just blast myself with light from the time I wake up. And it's not even like it's a balanced or filtered light. Like, yeah. like obviously the sun, it's just like when you step outside it, you step outside the box and you're looking in, you're like, yeah, that's pretty unnatural. And that's, yeah. <laughs> And yes. that's it. And people wonder, oh, I don't know why I'm so tired all day or why this is happening in my body. And it's like just a simple change can really just kind of create a little bit more or a move back towards homeostasis. You know, just that kind of like your body saying, oh, thank you. I really I don't have to work as hard now or, you know, it's just crazy. Yes. It's yes. crazy. It's like we have so many stressors on our bodies and on ourselves. Right. So any any relief that we can give ourselves and absolutely going outside is such a huge part of that. Okay. So you, so you bring your son to work with Carrie Bennett mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm really interested in this because the way that I heard you frame it was that you started to see his symptoms and his conditions as mitochondrial dysfunction. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't think it would be extreme to say that people with Down syndrome, I've said it before, have really poor mitochondrial function. And I honestly, I think that's just because of the Down syndrome, just that extra copy. Yeah. I think it's just that, you know, their bodies are really working in a deficit. And I'm under the uh, impression, Carrie feels the same way, that there is no reason why we couldn't get it to function, to function typically. It just, it's, it has things have to be a little more strict and I guess maybe probably seen as extreme. Right. And, uh, you, you know, the prescription's always the same, but this has to be a little bit more fine-tuned and just, you have to stay consistent with it. Right. And, uh, which is the, the human responsibility piece of it that is often kind of difficult, you know, yes. that personal responsibility. Yes. Um, but it is what it is. And, uh, so what we we really started doing, we kept up circadian rhythm. And then we we kind of figured that they are at a at an infrared light deficiency. And as we know, you know, that infrared light, especially that morning light, is really what's going to help with that mitochondrial function as well. And so right. we introduced red light therapy. And honestly, the, the red light therapy, because one of my main concerns that I brought to Carrie was the idea of people with Down syndrome are really uh, kind of pre predisposed, I guess you could say, to an Alzheimer's dementia type illness or okay. disease. And uh, 
you know, knowing what you know, what we know now, you know, light, blue light into the eye, like all of that. It's just, it's, it's insanely all connected. And um, so the idea of using red light on uh, his, we, we use it on his head. And the idea was we just really wanted to regrow hair, but with the increased red light, we saw more cognitive, uh, incline, like more cognitive abilities, more spontaneous communication, joking. And, uh, just, it seemed like an overall, <clears throat> I guess you could say, uh, fog was lifted for him. Wow. It was like that extra red light was able to kind of give just that, that on that mitochondrial level, that biophysical level, it was able mm-hmm. to give, give him what he needed. And, uh, just, it, it just kept kind of going and we introduced some molecular hydrogen, which interestingly here, one of, I think one of our greatest discussions was in people with down syndrome have kind of like that wonky immune system where it seems mm-hmm. to kind of upregulate on certain sides. And, uh, I had done some looking into an interferon response, like working with the the cytokines and stuff. And it just seemed mm-hmm. to always upregulate a side of their immune system. And she looks and she's like, well, you know what clears that, right? And ultraviolet light. And so wow, it's like one of those moments right. you're like, oh my gosh, we've been, you know, you beat your head against the wall for years thinking I have to maintain the status quo. And we have a simple solution by by going outside. And it's just, it, it's just, it's just so crazy how things have kind of just connected. That's connected. So, it's so just incredible. It is. Okay. So could you like just that, that one piece then explain sort of in your words, um, what is happening with the UV light, with the immune system, what, and what sort of like Carrie explained to you, explain it to us. It'll definitely be in my words. <laughs> yes, please do. That's the point of this podcast. <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 the immune system that was it the T1 and the T2 part of the immune system. And, you know, they kind of like to be in balance with each other. Well, I think what you're seeing in people with Down syndrome is you're seeing one of those parts or the adaptive and the, uh, I can't think of the other part of the immune system. Oh my gosh. <laughs> one of those always seems to be activated. Mm-hmm. And so it's always telling a, a person with Down syndrome, it's telling them, oh my gosh, fight, fight, fight. There's an invader. We got We got to go after something when there's probably nothing wrong, but it's constantly right. activating, constantly, you know, burning through all antioxidants and everything. And so by going outside, it helps to clear that response and bring back that homeostasis within those parts of the immune system. So hopefully that helped. And, and it's the UV light that's doing it's that. The, it's the UV light that helps with that. And and I think we've also found that molecular hydrogen plays a, a piece in that too, because it is that selective uh, anti-inflammatory as well. So okay. it, it, it's, it, it's often, I think people want to say, oh, what's the one thing that you have changed? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we can ever look at it at that because yeah. we've added in some really amazing things that that are, that are affordable and, and easily accessible. Yes. Yeah. Stepping outside at, you know, what time does UV light appear now? Like eight, 10, between eight and 10 now or something. Mm-hmm. If I just get out there for what, 20 minutes a day. And it's, you're not asking, it's not a big ask, but something so simple can have such dramatic results. So. Yes. That's where yes. I, and that's yeah, where we are. And that's a great point. You know, yeah, there's, there, there's a whole, a whole spectrum of things. Um, and we talk a lot about the light, uh, because it's, mo- it's so often ignored, right. And it's such, mm-hmm. it's such a key piece. Um, but yes, there's, there are lots of other pieces as well. And so, okay. So for somebody who's listening, who's like, all right, so you're telling me that if I take my child, um, or my child with down syndrome and I stick them outside in like a bathing suit, weather permitting, um, to get that UV light. Am I not then adding a cancer risk? Well, that is, that's where everyone's mind goes. We've all been trained to be like, we go in the sun, we're going to die immediately. We're going to get cancer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there, I I think obviously there is nuance to that. You know, he has always loved being outside and that, that was confirmed, uh, 
I, I didn't need confirmation from it. I that obviously that was something I could have observed. But when we had that chat with Dr. Jay Montgomery and talking about how people with Down syndrome truly love to be outside, and I'll discuss that later. But obviously, that red morning light, that UVA light, that has to start first, and you have to build up obviously that sun callus in order to be okay. able to withstand time out out okay, in that tell, UV light. Tell us what a solar callus is. <laughs> It's the way of conditioning your skin to receive more powerful light. Um, I see it as an internal, I guess you could say sunscreen. It's that way of protecting your body so that you don't burn. But obviously there's nuance with that then because, you know, people are like, okay, I got my red light. And it it takes a little bit of time to develop. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I find that it's easier to start this in the spring. When UV right. light makes its return, you know, we've just had a, a winter of a winter and, and very low UV light. And uh, so spring, so getting out, getting as much skin exposed as you can, and then uh, gradually increasing that time in, in the brighter light of the day, in midday. And so right. that, that really helps to not burn. And I have to say it works like one, only one of our kids is is fair skinned. And she works hard, man. She gets out there and in the morning, she'll take walks up and down in like a spaghetti tank top. Mm -hmm. And she hasn't burnt this whole year. Wow. This whole summer. But it, it it takes, it takes a little, it it takes time and it takes effort. So, and yeah, but, and I think that's why what you're doing, um, you know, with your work and with your podcast with Tina Matthews, where you're trying to just like lay this out for families in an easy to understand way is so important, right? Because it's like, we just got told the sun will give you cancer end of story, (laughs) right? But actually, right, there's so much more going on and there there isn't even any UV light and first thing in the morning. So you you don't even need to think about that. And then that light, you know, helps your skin understand that other types of light are coming. So when we go out in that light, it's not a shock, a shock right. to the system, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, yeah. If you go from Minnesota to Acapulco <laughs> in February and lie out at noon first day, like, yeah, your body's going to respond yeah. badly. But if you, again, like prepare, prepare, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and put your body in the natural environment where you live or where you happen to be, at all the times of day where there's light, it's a very, very different situation than what we've been it is. taught to be like. It is. SPF yes. 50 every second you're outside, right? Like Exactly. Put on everything. Don't, no sun on the skin. And you're like, wait a minute. This thing has risen and set for more than I could even imagine. And we're afraid. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. And I, we I, all I, evolved <laughs> under it, right? Like every right. few, like... Dr. Dr. Twyved um, has a great line. He's like, uh, if the sun was bad for us, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> we would all be dead. We, exactly. Yeah. In, in a matter of, yes. I don't even know, like days. Yeah, yes. for sure. For the entire history of human evolution yeah. up to 30 seconds ago, we basically <laughs> lived outside. And if the sun doesn't rise, we're in trouble. All day trouble. long. Yeah, we're in yeah. trouble. <laughs> we're calling each other. It's time. <laughs> Prepare. Yeah. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. But yeah, the, the, you just yeah, you just have to get out there in the morning, man. The, the naked eyes and as much skin. And I, I think that's one of the biggest things too. And Tina and I have alluded to that on our on our podcast is that you have to take off your sunglasses. But mm. you, you can't just take them off and expect everything to be okay. Because if you have obviously shielded your eyes from sunlight for years, it, it's, it's the same thing. Like you said, I can't yeah. be, you know, up and like, Canada and go to, I don't know, Cancun for in January and yeah, February, January and expect not to burn. Yeah. That's going to hurt your eyes. It's like, we can have some common sense to this and, and understanding that things can't be instantaneous all the time. So, yes. And it's, it's incremental changes. And if, if it feels bad, then don't do it. Right. Like if it feels, like I, I, I taught my children that we did go on a vacation to Mexico. We were living in like a kind of a cold place. And I'm like, I made them get up and watch the sunrise. Um, and then during the day, I was like, when you feel like you're going to burn, go in the shade. That, and that's they did. exactly it. Like yeah. that they were like, yeah. okay. And it totally like that made sense to them. <laughs> it, it, that's exactly, uh, that. that's it. It's, it's 
I should probably listen to what my body is telling me right now. Like it feels like it's burning. So maybe I should seek shelter or, you know, put a shirt on or something, you know, it's, and that's what we had to do with my child. That's really fair skinned. And, uh, she, she knows, and she's, she just turned 10 and she, she knows how her skin feels when it's reached that limit. And she'll ask for like a swim shirt, you know, if we're spending Mm -hmm. the day at the, at the pool or just at the beach or something like they know they, 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 it's not difficult. You just have to, you have to choose to do it. So, yes. I was, I interviewed, um, Dr. Alexander Wunsch once, who's like a very prominent chronobiologist, um, what he calls it. He sort of studies the sun and all of, all of the, this, these impacts of it. And, you know, I was telling him about that Mexico trip and, um, and he was like, yeah, well, we used to, we used to just know this, right? Like this used to be sort of legacy, uh, wisdom that was passed down and depending what part of the world you lived in and what type of skin you had you just knew what to do yeah. it's like <laughs> and yeah how do really you like that? we've cut ourselves off from that and like we live in these like uh, isolated chambers and it's just like get fed <laughs> you know certain pieces of information but not all the info you know we only have like some just a information little bit. but just not enough information yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is crazy. Yeah. That, that ancestral like wisdom or, you know, I, I always go back to like the frontier and we have a really cool place where I live, where you can kind of go and see, and it was like the, the frontier of this, this area. And I go back and I think about what their life would have been like then. And it was, they worked when they got up and they probably didn't when the sun was really hot. They just, you know, yeah. I was very hot and my skin was on fire. So I'm going to go do some stuff somewhere else in the shade. And it's like, oh, that makes sense. Or the flip side. Now we have people that never experience any season. You know, you think I get up, I get in my car, which is in a garage and I maybe walk into work and I work inside all day. And then by the time I leave, it's almost dark and I haven't seen or felt any seasonal change whatsoever. And, uh, that that's something that that's like a little 1% change too, to just start feeling the, the weather, you know, like, yeah. Start to like engage with the natural environment and what that temperature is. And even when it's really cold or really rainy, like it's still like being outside, you know, it just feels different. Our whole system is responding differently. We're on a, on a cellular level, like our bodies know when, right. when we're out in the elements yeah, and we this need it. feels good. Yeah. yeah. My so mind yeah, I feels mean, better. My walks are shorter on the crappy yeah. days. I'm not going to lie, but like just, just being outside even briefly. Absolutely. No, I agree with that completely. It, yeah. yeah. You just got to do it. It's a non-negotiable to be outside every day for, I don't know, start with 10 minutes, maybe five minutes. Just, yeah. you, you have Whatever. to. Yeah. 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 Whatever you can do. Absolutely. So I'm really, I find it really interesting because you sort of, you followed your own research journey. Um, You started out where it was like, okay, the medical establishment was like, here's what you're dealing with and here's what's going to happen. And that's kind of it. And you, you know, you and your husband being who you are chose to sort of push on those boundaries a little bit and figure out what is possible. And now you've landed in a place where it's like, okay, I can look at what's going on with my child or with all of my children, but particularly my child with Down syndrome as uh, a mitochondrial dysfunction situation, as opposed to a life sentence. Absolutely. Perfect way to put it. It, it, it's saying that I have, or we have a hand in, in his health. And it, we're not going to just throw our hands up. And like, like you said, it's not, it's not a life sentence because he has a beautiful life and we're just choosing to interact with nature and, and use that to bring about health. And that it, 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 it create, it gives you a little more hope. And I, I think yeah. that that's what, I, when, when you have a child with a cognitive disability, it, it's a different mentality. Uh, because they can't always communicate everything with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you. You know, when he's not feeling well, I I can't get to specifically what is not well. 
unless I go through this whole series of questions. You know, my girls are like, oh my gosh, you know, this spot hurts when I touch it. You know, like I have a sore throat in the back on this side, (laughs) halfway down. Yeah. <laughs> Have you tried drinking water today? No. <laughs> yeah. 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 For him, it's like everything is fine all the time. And uh, right. when it's probably not, but it's, it's kind of realizing that how can I use, how can I use this beautiful world that we've been given and, and we're made to interact with? How can I use it to bring health to him? And I think that's been the, the overarching overarching question. And I appreciate that Carrie has responded to that question and, and has given so many more beautiful and hopeful suggestions than anyone ever has in, yeah. and to which has led to our own little journey in, in our family. So yes. I, it's, there needs to be more people that are asking questions like, well, why is a person with down syndrome subject to Alzheimer's disease? why you know that yeah. let's ask the why is it because they've received you know the well child starter pack of stuff and you know lots of metals are in the brain is it because they are super sensitive to our modern world probably yeah. all of it you know it's yeah. we we just have we can't stop asking these questions because they does people with with disabilities deserve this light as well so yes Absolutely. That yeah. that's where I find it. I, it's mm-hmm. it's a tough it's a tough crowd that you that people with families with Down syndrome. It's a tough it's a tough community to get into, because we, I I think a lot of people tend to feel sorry for people with with mm-hmm. a, a disability. Yeah. Um, and sure, lots of things are crappy, but I don't know. We always made the we made the decision when he was young that we were never going to treat him any differently than any of our other children, mm-hmm. and that comes with, I don't feel sorry for him. Yeah. Great. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. And he probably doesn't either. He, yeah, he, he doesn't, like, yeah, he doesn't. this is me. I don't know anything yeah, else. What, why would you feel what? sorry for me? Yeah. So, uh, and if, if any of my other children had these issues, I would certainly be seeking information as well. Yeah. So that, you know, it's amazing. And so, um, so Carrie Bennett, she is, um, on the faculty, mm-hmm. uh, at the Institute of Applied Quantum Biology, the certification that we have, um, and she teaches there, and she also has private practice, and she looks at everything through the lens of quantum mm-hmm. biology, right? So yes. she was able to see this child in a different dimension than anyone else you had brought him to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely was. And and, and she was able to just kind of take and look at him and... Uh, I guess I would say, look at him as not only, you know, who he is, but coupled with Down syndrome, whereas other people are just looking at just a, a, almost like through the lens of a typical child. Hmm. And he's, it's not, you, you can't because he's people with Down syndrome and I'm going to guess any other spectrum disorder. It's not the same. It, things just aren't the same. It, it's it's almost it's it's chaotic on the inside, and I I think that was a, a goal that we kind of figured out was we just have to figure out how we can bring it all together, and mm-hmm. uh, it, uh, addressing it with that with the red light and red light therapy, and you know we have to be mindful of of artificial blue light and we have to be mindful of Wi-Fi because it's all super dehydrating. And and that's another aspect of people with Down syndrome is they're constantly in a dehydrated state and, Mm, you know, not, not, not go. And I, I don't know if it's the Down syndrome that does it or if it's like the blue light and the Wi-Fi that does it. Mm. I just think they're so, they're just so sensitive. Right. It's, it is incredible. So whatever, so these things are affecting all of us all of the time, but for somebody with down syndrome, it's like times a hundred, like it's whatever effect we're feeling, they're feeling it even more. Absolutely. And and they just don't know how to communicate that. And then they, and they can't express it. And so he might feel, and, and I would imagine maybe the reason why he feels more comfortable outside is maybe he feels a certain energy or something inside. 
because mm-hmm. it, electricity, you could say, or, right. you know, we're in the process now of grounding our wife, our uh, internet. And yeah. maybe he, maybe he feels that and just mm-hmm. doesn't know. Yeah. It doesn't have the words. I met a woman once um, at a quantum health event who was so sensitive um, that she, they had to, they moved to the country, like they rewired their house and she, but she would walk through the kitchen and she was like, I can't walk through that place in the kitchen. And her husband was like, honey, I just, like, I just did the whole house. Like there's nothing there. She's like, I just can't walk in that part of the kitchen. I can't do it. Like I can feel it. So he went under the house and he dug around and there was, there was a cable, there was some wire there from, from the previous owners and it was given off something. And this woman, and it was, I mean, it was, it was almost, a, it was a disability, right? Like they really had to, like, they had to live in the middle of nowhere because she just couldn't inter- even interact with civilization. She was so sensitive, right? But she had the words, right? Yeah. Like she had, mm-hmm. she was able to say like, that part of the kitchen is cause like, yeah. it makes, makes me hurt. It <laughs> makes me hurt. Yeah. Something's not right. Well, there. I yeah. wonder if there's like, now that I know that level of sensitivity is possible, I wouldn't have thought it was possible if I hadn't actually spoken to this person. And she was like, yes, this is what happened. I'm like, oh my yeah. God. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I would never have. Yeah. That le- that's a, that's a whole other level. Yeah, for sure. But I, I just think, you know, you, you know, we're obviously electric beings and we're mm-hmm. constantly admitting and receiving. And it's like, how, how sensitive are some people? And like, what happens if, again, if we make those little those little changes and right. uh, yeah, something like as, as artificial blue light. And when I had, we had that talk with Dr. J uh, Montgomery and that was his number one thing was, was the blue light for people with down syndrome, that artificial blue light. And it, uh, unfortunately we're at a time where we give, you know, technology to kids as a babysitter and it, it, it happens with, with people with disabilities too you know, right, like, like just to occupy time. And it's, it's incredibly damaging. And I didn't right. understand it until he had said it, you know, it, it slows down your ability to, to process light. And then it affects your, it, right. It affects the dopamine in your central nervous system. Yeah. And that, you know, that central nervous system is responsible for what moving, playing cognition, like all of the things. And if I have someone that's super sensitive and they're just constantly having something in their face, like, wow, it's incredible. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's, that's kind of like, and like I said, you, obviously we all have choices that we can make. And so if, if you Mm -hmm. know this information, you might as well do something about it. Yeah. You, you know, because, because, yeah. And if you're like, listen, I, I, my kid needs some scream time. Like it's just the only way I can function. Like just get them some, some yellow glasses yep. for the daytime and some blue blockers at, you know, like mm-hmm. there are, there are lots of ways. Absolutely. To work yeah. around it. Once, once we have an awareness yep. of what's going on. Yeah. Like, we just can't ignore some of these issues now with, yeah. with our young kids. Like we, you can't ignore it anymore. And and I, I think that's one of the goals with with Tina and I is to be able to say that you can live, we, we can live in this world, but it's just, it might take spending maybe 20 bucks, you know, like for a little blue blocker, because I, we can't deny that. Yeah. Every day, my husband and I take a walk and our kids, that's their screen time when we take a walk. Uh, you know, we have yeah. kids old enough to be able to do that now, but it's, we can make changes. You just have to yes. want to. I think that's the biggest takeaway. And I yeah. and I knew that when I kind of started with the family approach because one, parents have to be willing to change themselves. You know, and I'm mm-hmm. a much better mother when I'm well rested. And again, who yeah. doesn't want to sleep better? And, <laughs> and, you know, I'm much better in that respect. And therefore, they're going to see that. So- I, I think that's the yes. biggest takeaway. Like parents yes. have to be willing to change too. So. Yes. And all of, all of these um, habits that we're talking about are good f- for everybody. Yeah. Like the, just to circadian regulate a family, just that one thing can change so much, but it does require, you know, 
changing how we live. Like my kids are like, you guys go to bed so early. <laughs> like, I'm tired. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right, yeah, one but... day you will too. Yeah. It's yeah, it's children, man. Yeah, they're their own little, but they're their own little people, is what they yes. are. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be hard. Like, I, I don't have like our, our kids are homeschooled. So some of this stuff might seem like it's easy for us to do, but um it it is doable. Like you said, 20 bucks on a pair of yellow blue blockers. You right. can do that on your way to school. Crack the windows. Um, as soon as they get home, yes. maybe don't make them do their homework right away. Maybe make them go outside. Yeah. You, run around outside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, anything that could be outside. Yeah, and that's a good point. Like opening the sunroof in the car, opening the windows in the car, opening the windows in the kitchen while you're making breakfast. I mean, even in the winter, like a crack it. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things, all yeah. these things help. Walking the dog first thing. Yep, absolutely. Like a great one. Okay, so let's just just to wrap this up. So you um started to approach what's your son's name? I didn't Will. Know. Will. Will. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Will starts to um, spend more time outside. He's doing red light therapy every day. You're blocking blue light at night. So what are the changes that you've seen in Will over the last year since you started doing that? Well, again, I I will say the kid, what, one of the biggest changes, in, and we had pulled him from, from school. And that probably is what made the biggest change. Um, I know not everybody has that, but he was, we were then able to kind of really start to roll with some of this. And so he now wakes up right around sunrise. He likes to walk with my husband. I would take the dog for just a little, a little walk. He likes to do that. And no joke, he is on the move from sunrise to sunset. Like he is very much like that of a typical teenager, Mm -hmm. you know, like boys should be active for yeah. the majority of the day. Yeah. And, like girls too, but you know, boys should be doing like busy work mm-hmm. uh, personally. Um, so his activity level is very typical of what, of what it should be. Um, he has a little trike, he has a trike that he likes to ride. And so he kind of like terrorizes the neighborhood and he likes to go <laughs> pick up, you know, random sticks that fall down. He likes to pick up big chunks of wood. If somebody gets a tree cut down, so he likes to do that. Um, but like I said before, cognition changes, mm-hmm. um, understanding a lot of what we're saying and we don't have to like break things down as much. Mm. Um, like, like a fog was lifted. He likes to spontaneously make jokes and they're funny. And, um, <laughs> he he's able to kind of communicate a little bit better. And I would say hand eye coordination. Like he he is, he's pretty good at golf and, Mm. uh, golf and baseball. Like those are his two favorite and basketball basketball's in there, but golf is his thing, but being able to just make consistent contact with that ball. And it, it, it goes where it should. Like he just had his first, uh, even par the other day on a hole. Like it was a, my dad or my dad, my husband said it was, it's a tough par three and he, he parted. He did so, it. Yeah, he did it. And wow. he's done that kind of sometimes, but uh, this was like first legit from, I don't know if he played the Reds or not, um, like the closer tees. But mm-hmm. yeah, so that kind of stuff. And then we're getting some hair on his head. If, if wow. you look in the sunlight, you yeah. can see these little hairs. He he has eyebrows, starting to grow eyebrows. He has He's consistently held on to eyelashes. And one of the coolest things is he now has those little hairs mm-hmm. on his arms. And we had oh, never wow. seen that before. So he has little wow. hairs on his arms. And I, I have no expectation on anything that's, you know, going to happen yeah. or the timeline of it all. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty impressed wow. with what we've those had. Are, those are big changes. Yeah. And is, is he, what's his sort of sickness level like? Is he getting sick as often or... I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's just say that if he does, he is able to clear it a lot quicker. Okay. And not hang on to to, to something. Okay. So 
I, I take that as a, I take yeah. that as, as, as a win. It, That's it's a huge it's, win. It's, it's a, and it's, yeah. it's been what you said, what, like about a year? About that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not that long, really. Mm-mm. We were talking yesterday, someone um, on one of the coaching calls about a case where, you know, a woman had been doing shift work in a hospital, like for decades, right? And she's been doing all the things to get her sleep back on track. And it's still not quite there. And it's like, you know, our mitochondria, you know, like they can bounce back, but who knows, you know, who, who knows how long yeah. and the journey is a winding road. <laughs> <laughs> it it is yeah and and who are we to put an expectation on the body yeah you know and and when it when we want it to heal and 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 make changes you know because maybe yeah. it has maybe it has other work to do before mm-hmm. it can it can finally get to something else because it, like you know if you've done shift work for years yeah gosh like <laughs> yeah you know that's it can take years. Yeah. And I mean, even with, you know, I had chronic fatigue and even that, yeah, it was like, you know, I, it, you could set your circadian rhythms quite quickly, right? Like, Oh yeah. But, but the, the underlying, uh, full repair, I mean, who knows, right? Like that is an ongoing. And so, yeah, progress, not perfection. Um, yeah. Consistency in that progress. Yeah, yeah for sure. And to, it's easy to say, but to just kind of give some gratitude to the body too for what what it's doing. Like, yeah. Like, oh, thank, that's thank, such a good point. Like, thank you. You know, it, yeah. It, that's a, that's such a different thing to talk about with someone. You know, oh, I hate when I when I get a cold or I hate when I feel like this. Well, it's like, well, well, th- thank you. You, you gave me an, an appropriate mm. response because the body felt like. Like something wasn't right and now it's going to make it right. And yeah. it's just such a different thought. I, I, it, yeah, it's, it's a different thought and some people just aren't ready for that conversation, but it, I don't think the body ever makes mistakes personally. It just does what it does to keep you here. Yeah. It, that's, <laughs> yeah. It's working off an intelligence. I think that we don't haven't even begun to grasp. No. And what a beautiful point. And I, I, you know, I love that we're wrapping up on that is to appreciate that. And it's like, our bodies are not a machine or we can yell at it for breaking down, right? Like something's going on and our bodies are dealing with it. It's like, I'm telling yeah. you what's going on. You you have to listen to me at some point, right? Like, yeah, no, no, be quiet, be quiet. Just ignore me. It'll be fine. Yeah. It's like, yeah. we we have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. The status quo we, is no longer okay. Yeah. <laughs> and our bodies are telling us, and it's like, we can make all of the changes about what environment we put our body in, but you know, I love this point. Like we also need to probably make a change about how we're thinking about our body because on a quantum level, it's all that, having that's an a effect. whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It's all having an effect. For, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It we is. Think yeah. it, how if we talk to someone and be like, oh God, I can't like, seriously, you did that again. What? Right. Like that person's going to feel differently than if we're like, Hey, thanks for letting me know. Like what's going on? Like, what can I help? How can I help? Right. Like our bodies are listening. Yep. Like t- treat it more like a friend than a, you know, attack <laughs> than your enemy. It's, it's yeah. here. Like we get this, like, this is an amazing, this is an amazing opportunity to have to live at this time. And, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I just think yeah. that the more we connect back, it's things start to make sense at least yes. to, to us in this space. Yes, <laughs> <I think>. absolutely. <laughs> to other people, we might sound like, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's I know, okay. But yeah. We won't worry about them. No, nope, they're I listening don't. to some other podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, Nicole, thank you so much for sharing your story and telling us about Will. And um, he, you know, what a treasure he is. He's brought brought such a gift to the world, really, because now you, you know, you are certified in applied quantum biology. You are bringing this information to other families. So he's, his little soul has started a ripple effect. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. 
pleasure. And just quickly tell people where to find you, your website, your podcast, all that, your socials, all that stuff. We'll put sure. it in the show notes as well. But okay. Just to have. Um, I just run an Instagram account at this time. It's circadian family wellness. Um, working on a website, hopefully here soon. And then my friend, Tina Matthews and I, we run modern circadian moms and that's also on Instagram and also our podcast on Apple and Spotify. Fantastic. So thank you for doing what you do. It was such a pleasure to chat. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been the quantum biology collective podcast. To find a practitioner who practices from this point of view, visit our directory at quantumbiologycollective.org. If you are a practitioner, definitely take a look at the Applied Quantum Biology Certification, a six-week study of the science of the new human health paradigm and its practical application with your patients and clients. We also love to feature graduates of the program on this very podcast. Until next time, the QBC.